Welcome to the HMO Success Podcast. My name's Wendy, and this podcast will help you invest in houses of multiple occupation. Hello, good afternoon, HMOers. I hope you're keeping very well this cold and frosty day. It's really good to be online today, really good to be sharing with you some of uh, our thoughts and ideas for 2021. Now, I said earlier on, on my Wendy Weekly interview, that I've got a very special guest. And, uh, and I'm very pleased to say that today I'm interviewing somebody who I know quite well, don't I? <laughs> I think so. It's my husband, my partner, Andy. Uh, say hi, hi, Andy. Hi, hi Wendy. And... Uh... Yeah, it's nice to come on the show with you this week. That's great. Well, thank you so much for being here. Um, The reason I've invited Andy to come on to the show today is because we work very closely together, obviously. Uh, Not all partners in in, uh, life are partners in property, but we're both partners in property and partners in life, which has its ups and downs, doesn't it? (laughs) It's not always smooth sailing. Um, But when we became financially free in March of 2021, which was through HMOs, um, Andy gave up his successful job, although stressful job, working uh, in the banking industry and decided to join me in my business, um, Best Nest. And since then, you've been very involved in some of the projects that we've run, haven't you? I would say I've been the lead on a lot of those projects. Definitely. Um, So Andy's background is in project management and uh, working in big IT projects in the banking sector. So he was able to take that uh, knowledge and skill and transfer it into the property business, which is a tremendous help for me because (laughs) I'm not the best project manager around and found some of those uh, developments and working with builders to be quite stressful and difficult. So I really valued it when you came on board and said, don't worry, Wendy, I can take that lead from you. Well, it was nice to work with you as well, because um, I don't really have the creativity that you do. So I was able to sort of say, okay, there's a good quality refurb that's been turned out. But you would then say, ah, but it needs some colours and some tiles. And so it was a nice balance. Yeah, good, good balance, good balance. And I think we've managed to find a partnership uh, from a business point of view that works well, doesn't it? We, yes. we've, we've got to that point now of... Uh, you know, we know how each other works. We've we've got our systems and processes, and it's a it's a productive business relationship as well as a yeah. happy marriage. A bit stressful. <laughs> oh, never <laughs> working with me stressful. <laughs> I don't believe that. But it's I agree with you. Yeah, it's good <clears throat> and it's a lot of fun actually. Yeah. So Andy, one of the things that um, you know I really value is your interest in the wider economy. Um, quite often within our business, we're we're focusing on property, but property is very much a product of what else is happening in the wider economy, not just the UK economy, but also the global economy. Uh-huh. So uh, but you, you studied this, you're really keen on economics, you read a lot, you watch a lot, you listen to a lot of podcasts. So one of the things I wanted to you know, draw forth from you today, some of your thoughts and ideas um, about what's happening in the, 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 the bigger economy and, and should we as property investors be worried about that? Well, you're right, I am interested in economics. It's probably, probably my number one interest and passion, isn't it really? Uh, perhaps outside of sport as well, yeah. I like sport. So I do try to, try to keep up with the latest developments. I have an A-level in economics from way back when, and I was actually studying to go further than that, but I then branched off into law. 
So I have a, a reasonably good foundation in sort of classical economics and classical economic theory. And, but that was, I guess that was from about 1992 when I got my A-level. So, but trying to make, trying to bring that up to date, that's the point, how, you know, how does classical economic theory play into today? And then, of course, really importantly for this podcast and for our own lives, in fact, how does that play into the HMO space? That, those are my, that's my key interest, really. So, but we can talk about any, anything of that, which, you know, okay, so just, interesting to you. Okay, so just give us a bit of a snapshot of what you see as some of the risks facing us because of what's happening in the economy at the moment. Well, the economy is in a very, very strange place right now, and I could give you lots and lots of examples as, as to why that is. When I studied economics up to 92, I think if you were to look at the interest rate at that point, it was quite high, maybe 10%. We, and we've been through a, a time, of course, when Britain uh, got involved with the European exchange rate mechanism when interest rates went up to 15%, I think, mm, in the UK. Very high, yeah. And, and I, I want to keep this relevant, of course, because interest rates are one of the most important factors in, inv- in investing in property. What is the cost of the capital that you're ploughing into a building. If you can access capital, but it's very expensive, then that property project needs to perform incredibly well in and of itself. Mm. But if the cost of capital is very cheap, then that pushes forward a different profit profile that's needed from the business. And of course, what we're seeing since really the early 90s, perhaps even earlier than that, is if you were to, if you were to look at an interest rate curve, it goes down like that. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're basically, we, we've ticked up a bit and it's not a completely straight down curve, but in a nutshell, the, the interest rates are, are really the lowest they've ever, ever been since... Well, since they started. Since records began. Mm-hmm. It's a very low interest rate environment. And, and that has an impact, doesn't it, also on working with investors because you know Absolutely. a few years ago we were offering our investors 10 percent return that was a kind of standard feature if you were borrowing high. cash it's too high. well absolutely nowadays you don't need to offer them 10 percent yeah. because actually that is that's that's you know extremely generous nowadays you can offer them five percent and that's still yeah. competitive yeah. so in terms of working with investors and private finance the fact that the Bank of England interest rate has gone down. It's actually very helpful for us trying to raise private finance, isn't it? it? It's very, very helpful for that. It's very, very helpful even for accessing bank finance. I mean, to say that you can raise limited company mortgages at about 37 3.8%, I mean, that's probably unheard of in, 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 if you go back into history. Incredibly low rates. Obviously, the base rate is well lower than that. Um, this stuff is absolutely crucial to the environment. So what it means is, is that you've got to try to parlay that low rate and, and, and find cheap projects, because that's always the name of the game in property. You make money when you buy, find a good value project, get it financed at the low rate, and then you're really starting to cook on gas, as we say in our business. <laughs> um, and so, so that, that's really the name of the game these days. You know, my personal view um, is that the low interest rates that we have across the Western world portend some very choppy times ahead for the world economy. You know that already. That, that's no secret. If you watch my Twitter feed, you'll see 
you know, I am I'm watching very, very closely some of the economic indicators coming out of America because I think things at some point will change quite fundamentally for the world economy. And I believe that although we may go through a, a phase of deflation, ultimately now there is so much debt. You know, it depends which measure you take. Um, but, you know, really most... I think most commentators would agree we're somewhere between three, maybe four times. If you look at the, the world economy, has three to four times the debt level to world GDP, and that's clearly not clearly not sustainable. Um, clearly, something has to happen, and my sense is that it would probably be inflated away. Now, inflation is a very very complicated thing. It's not just the price of the things you see in the supermarket. Of course, if you take some levels of measures of inflation, we've already seen huge inflation in terms of house prices across the UK in the last 10 or 15 years, in inflation in the price of gold, some perhaps blippy inflation in terms of raw materials, lumber, oil. But I think over time, all that lot starts to shift up and probably, I suspect, rents do as well. So we, that's the, the headwind in, into which we, we place ourselves. And those, that's the backdrop cloth that we have to consider. Now you have to think very carefully, OK, HMO investment, where does it leave that? Well, I think HMO investment is unique, excuse me, uniquely placed because it offers, obviously, it's not risk-free. No... Um, no investment opportunity is going to be risk-free. But if you understand, if you've done the education, if you've spoken with people and you've knocked around the business a bit and you've got a great team behind you, um, you can moderate that risk in HMO investment and you can parlay that risk, minimise it and turn it into fantastic cash flows. And of course, that's the point of the businesses that we own. And on top of that... And this is the, it, it, you might call it the jam, and in future you may say, well, this is going to be the main cake, is that you stand to make some, I believe, capital gains in this situation as well, simply because of the background inflation that I've talked about that I really think has to come through. Okay, so and I'd like to talk about capital gains as well, because there's a, you know, there's an elephant in the room when it comes to capital gains mm -hmm. and, and tax, mm -hmm. but we'll, we'll come on to that in a moment. So um, just thinking about the environment for HMOs, we're, we're, we're obviously right now speaking about HMOs, we're talking about the economy, we're talking about the wider environment. Um, HMOs is a very particular asset class. Mm. Uh, it has its own nuances, it's got its own way of working. Mm -hmm. And if you're getting started in HMOs and you've maybe got a couple of buy-to-let properties and you're thinking, I just want to get some more cash flow, that's a great opportunity. Mm -hmm. and, and do you think those opportunities are still out there? Well, they certainly are. Well, I mean, we, we've seen them. I, I, but I think, you, in regard to what I said earlier on, you have to be careful. You can't just jump at the first opportunity you see. It needs to be appraised. That's where working with people who've done this before is really, really beneficial, OK? Because you need to know what your income flow is going to be, what your outcome stream is going to be. You need to know how to frame it. Are you going to use a limited company? Are you going to go as a sole trader partnership? There's some stuff to understand. But if you know that, it's like any business, isn't it? If you know those fundamentals and you've learned them, I think there's some fantastic opportunities. That's why we're in this business. So the fundamentals are there. What about 
furlough what about unemployment because if you are uh, basing your hmo portfolio on uh, renting to young professionals or even older professionals but mm. people who are in full-time employment as opposed to students or as opposed to unemployed people what are the risks there don't you think that we're going into a, a very turbulent time in 2021 where people are going to be losing their jobs and then they can't pay their rent and uh, we may not be able to evict them either depending on what the government decides don't you think this is really a time not to be investing because of all those risks well there's always risks if you if if you don't want to take any risks, it'd be best to stay at home. In fact, stay in bed. I mean, in fact, I think it was uh, Robert Kiyosaki said, "If you want security, jail is really the best. That's maximum security, isn't it? <laughs> yes. That is the best thing to do." So you know, there really is nothing that's risk free, and and obviously this this podcast, this show, is not designed to be financial advice. We're not here to give financial advice about the impacts of furlough or government policy, tax policy, whatever it might be. Speaking particularly about furlough though, you know, all you can do is make guesses and assumptions about, about how this is going to pan out. My personal view is the way the political landscape is shaping out right now is that we are going to have, a, I suppose, a base class in society who I think you can almost say there's going to be a level of universal universal basic income. It might not be called that. We have we call it universal credit right now, but I I don't think with what's gone on and the way that big businesses have been supported and they've been allowed to operate through uh, the COVID. Through, through COVID and through the lockdowns and the fact that the public sector have been completely protected through this. There've been absolutely no downsides. Okay, they've had to work pretty hard. I accept that in. Um, in the NHS, etc. Given that backdrop, I think the idea that the, the sort of private sector, but probably low-endish professional, is going to be left behind with no money, particularly when the government have made it more than, than than abundantly clear that they own a printing press and they're going to use it, I think people, these people, are going to have money. It's going to be a bit rocky. But I think that they're going to be able to pay their rent for basic accommodation. Mm. That money is going to be borrowed or printed from the UK government. And in a way, you know, all you've got to do as a landlord is insert yourself in the middle of that cash stream and, and collect the rent. That's the job, right? I mean, it's a very, very sad state of play to find yourself in, in, in a country, if you ask me. But so far, this country this year has run a deficit of £450 billion. That means that we've collected £450 less, sorry, £450 billion less in tax revenue than we've spent out. Now, where's that money come from? We borrowed it at ultra-low rates. And given that we can do that, how are younger people going to be denied money? Then They're not going to stand for it. So my suspicion is you don't really have a big problem. Either these individuals are going to get money, they're going to work for firms, or they're going to get paid by the government. But you're going to have to be still selective about tenants because put the wrong tenant in the building and that's a problem for a lot of other perspectives. And you have got to watch out for your bills because obviously they're going to go up potentially a bit because you've got a lot, of, a lot of people sitting in buildings 24-7 rather than going out to work. So there's some new dynamics. Mm -hmm. That is 
um, that's life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think that's absolutely true. Um, we're doing this live on Facebook today, a discussion about the risks and opportunities for HMOs in 2021. If you are already investing in HMOs or you're looking to get invested in HMOs in 2021, we'd love to know uh, what questions you have, what thoughts you have about what 2021 will bring. Uh, we're not trying to bring our uh, predictions to bear here. Not a prediction. There's, not there's a prediction. only choices up ahead <laughs> and risks. And you've got to pick your way through the past, but path. But there are some likelihoods given that we've seen what happens with the, we we see what attitude the government takes. It's the the public screams, and out comes the checkbook. Now, if you can find a way to insert yourself into that cash stream. You will make money. Yeah, I think that's really true. So we, we, we talked a little bit about interest rates, talked a little bit about uh, the effect that that's going to have on the economy. There is quite a lot of debate about at the moment about inflation versus deflation. And uh, we were watching a very interesting interview yesterday with Jim Rickards, uh, who's written various different books about the, the monetary system, particularly in America. <clears throat> and he has said that inflation will only happen when we have greater velocity of money. So when we have greater movement of money through the economy. And at the moment, the economy is very slow. It's not running fast. So inflation is actually slow. And, and we've got some deflationary measures. Um, R- Rickards is an interesting case study because Rickards has moved on his recommendations. R- Rick- Rickards is one of the most well-known authors on wealth building and rel- uh, wealth preservation. And if you go to Amazon, all of his books are excellent, by the way. But at the start of last year, Rickards was much more downbeat on residential real estate. He was uh, recommending farmland and uh, commodities, really, and gold as as good um, wealth preservers and wealth builders. He's actually changed his tune on residential property, and he is now indicating that he believes that residential property is a good hold and a good, I believe, a good buy. I think I, that was what I understood from his latest missives. Um, and the reason is obvious. Rickards believes we are going into a serious and probably prolonged depression. I think he thinks we're already there, and, and so do I, by the way. Now, and that, again, is very good. It's a very good omen for HMO. Why? Because in a depression, people will need low-cost but the best quality kind of accommodation they can find. That's exactly what HMO is. That, I mean, fundamentally, I think, I'm not trying to be clever, you and I saw this happening seven years ago, nine years ago, constant debasement of the currency, constant government deficits. This is the way it leads to a a fracturing of society, and and yet the people at the bottom of society, or just run up from there, still need accommodation, and that has been our mission to provide that at fair price, as best quality as we can, because people need somewhere to live. And I think we've been not 100% successful in that because there's been always oh, there's problems, but, you know... Oh, legislation. In- legislation has been a big well, problem, hasn't and it? And also you find individuals who, no matter what you do, you can't really help them. But in general, I think you provide a great service. Yeah. And this this is the mission. Yeah. And I, I think that... Um, the key uh, in, in, in being able to build an HMO portfolio is learning how to do it with minimal uh, of your own time yeah. because there is a real difference between managing a single buy to let property or maybe a commercial property uh, compared oh, to wow. an HMO. You, you, you've got to get out of doing it um, 
at uh, w with your own time and and, and 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 use as little of your own money as possible really um that's a fact otherwise it, 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 that's not a business that's just a kind of life gobbler really and of course we did that you know, we years ago it was you we, and we I. We stopped our jobs, <laughs> and then we swapped our jobs, <laughs> and then we decided we don't like you know, our new job we've, either. We've, 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 but we've done that. <laughs> we and, and then so really, it's a two-stage process. It's find the properties, invest in the properties, and get enough of them. But then realize actually, what you now have to invest in is learning education to understand why is it that you've got so many problems in your life why is, why is it that tenants are phoning you at two in the morning why is it that you don't know where the stop clock is why because you haven't built systems why is that because you haven't really educated yourself correctly yeah. so we've been through those loops but when you get to the end of it then but it's very rewarding isn't yeah, it yeah very rewarding now another uh, question here from ben hi ben great to have you on the line today thank you for joining us today um he's talking about the price of properties many properties are getting multiple above asking price offers but with many predicting a downturn is now a good time to invest or should we wait for the downturn Want to take that one yeah you okay. please give your so response. so again we don't give financial advice we're not authorized to give financial advice that's to somebody else um, my feeling is that property prices will not come significantly down, possibly with the exception of London. I do think London has been primed, locked and loaded for a serious down correction for quite some time. Um, I, I am concerned about London just because of the incredible multiples above rent in that area. So that's not an area that we would look to invest in. But I think outside of there, in general, there won't be a correction downwards on property prices. Why? Because there can't be. Because our banks are essentially, uh, they live and die based on property prices. That You know, you, you cannot just collapse the value of a bank's mortgage book overnight. You, you end up with queues of banks and all that kind of nonsense we saw in 2008. So the Bank of England, the government will do what they need to keep property prices bubbling along, either constant or going up a bit like we're seeing at the moment. So the only thing you have to ask yourself is then, okay, is the deal that you're getting, is the price that you're paying and, and therefore the projected um, cash that's going to be thrown off that once you get people in there and rent it, is that sufficient for, for what your business plan needs? If yes, buy. If not, don't buy. I, I personally, I don't think you or I ever worry about the property strike price as long as the actual business plan behind it stacks. Would would that be a fair? Well, I, I think I think the thing about HMOs is there's to me it's like alchemy. You're 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 taking something which is in its original form a building. It might be a, a current residential building, a house, a home, uh, or it might be a commercial building, and you are waving this wand of refurbishment and building. That's the painful process, and the wand is waved, and you're turning it into a building which now houses six, seven, eight, however many people. And as a result of that alchemy, you've created a cash flowing asset. Now, to create that cash flowing asset, of course, it requires a studying of the maths. So you're right, you've got to get the property for a reasonable price relative to the income Correct. you're going to get from it. Now, obviously, as you, as you refer to London, <clears throat> excuse me, we know that in London, um, yields and returns are much, much less in terms of cash flow. But 
over time, the capital growth has been really significant in London. True. So a lot of people have made money on capital growth in London. Because we're in the Northwest, we haven't been able to rely on that as a, uh, if you like, a financial predictor. So what we've had to look much more at is how much cash flow we can get. So I think it does very much depend on your strategy. Are you looking yeah. for capital growth? Are you looking for cash flow? Maybe you're looking for a mixture of both. Some, some people are looking for cash flow. It's just, sorry, for capital growth. I, it's just not, never been a strategy. I, I'm just not that bothered. It's, you know, it's not a strategy. No, it? it's not our strategy. Um, however, I think it's wise not to be a motivated buyer. Uh, and there's a fine line. I was speaking to somebody this morning about this because they were saying, you know, should I buy now, Wendy, or should I wait? And I said, well, it's about you, you have to really be true to yourself about your level of fear. Is it fear that's holding you back from investing? Is it lack of knowledge that's holding you back from investing? Or is it um, is it is it true? are you being a motivated buyer and therefore you are spending too much on a building when you look at the other buildings in the area and think hang on a minute I'm paying 10 or 15 percent more than I need to pay so there are various factors at work and I think our own psychology and the way we see property and the way we see our own business building and our own future is as much to do with it as it is about what price is on that price tag for the property uh, so it's weighing up your own mental state as well. And, and fear is a very big factor in that. But you can get rid of the fear by getting into the nuts and bolts of, of, of a spreadsheet. That's what you and I do. You know, you, you simply write down all the numbers that you know, write down the ones that you don't know as well and try and guess at them and then shake out the bottom. Does, does this asset acquisition stack up or not for your purposes it but it can't just be as you say it can't be about emotions it needs to be about mathematics actually so another uh, area that that links into though is about expectations mm -hmm. when we first started investing in hmos it wasn't unusual to get 85 percent return on investment once we'd refinanced mm -hmm. i mean 100 percent return on investment mm -hmm. wasn't unusual mm -hmm. either um you can still get 100% return on investment. You can still get infinite return because you can produce a project which values up enough so that you can get a high mortgage mm -hmm. and then pull all your money out and go again. You have to weigh up, though, the cost of servicing the mortgage because it could be that by taking out a very large mortgage on that property, you actually are less with, you're left with less profit every month and lower cash flow. So weighing up those factors, I think, is, is a really important part of the whole mathematical uh, assessment of the project. Mm -hmm. But I think that there is something here also about understanding what what kind of economy we're in and in, in terms of returns. Mm -hmm. Now, if you look at something like, say, stocks and shares, it's not unusual now to find a company, perhaps a large company that's quoted on the stock market, maybe on the FTSE 100, uh, you could buy their shares. Let's, let's say you bought 100 shares and each of the shares cost you £10, so you've invested £1,000. But to find that it would take you maybe 10 years to get that original investment back through the dividends that you would but, get. But a huge amount of companies don't even give dividends. I mean, that's, that's the, the key thing to bear in mind in here, if you, particularly all the modern. If you, if you buy Tesla, you're not getting a dividend. No, I mean, you're not, getting... <laughs> let's be honest, you're not even getting a profit. I mean, this is, this is one of the, you know, you can't declare a dividend if you haven't got a profit. And this, these are huge loss-making, loss, loss, loss-making companies have been for years and years. 
Um, but that's what, the, environment what, the reason in. why people invest, though, of course, in those... Well, they're hoping uh, for capital growth, aren't Correct, they? they're hoping for capital growth, um, which you could argue is speculation rather than investment. And, and a lot of people want to speculate, but, you know, that's fine if, you can, if you're prepared to kiss goodbye to that money. That's absolutely fine. But, you know, I, I value money, even in this sort of cash-is-trash society, you and I value money more than that. And I, I'm just not into... Speculation. I mean, as I say, Tesla is an extreme, but it's you know it's not the only one. No. And the, these these shares are trading at incredible values, um, at most of PE ratios that are just never been never heard of before. Mm-hmm. One of the benefits of HMO um, inside the property sphere is that you are getting a fantastic return on investment. Um, and I would argue it's not, so. It's not risk free. I was going to say risk free. It is not risk free. Nothing's risk free. That's a fact. But at the end of the day, you whatever happens, you will still have a building. You will still have rooms that you can rent out. And if you know what you're doing, you've taken the right education, the rooms will fill and you'll get the cash flow. It may be a bit less, but you're going to have it. You know, if, 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 I, if what I think is going to happen is right, a lot of these companies that are trading on the stock market right now, they're not even going to be in business. Your shares could well be worth nothing literally no money so that's the difference so um pe ratio price to earnings ratio Correct, in, yeah. in 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 you know, stocks and shares language is, is a bit like return on investment isn't it in uh, property um, language yeah that's exactly uh, correct it's, it's very, similar very, very similar concept so Obviously, a lot of people at the moment, one of the big problems that people are having is finding a property that gives them what they would consider to be a good return. Oh, yeah. Find, finding is, is not easy. So, Andy, you, you tend not to do so much of the finding in the in the business. You tend to take over once we've actually identified the building and then manage the project uh, until the end. Um, what are your thoughts, though, about people struggling to find projects at the moment? Can you give some help or advice or your insight into that? I can add something as well. It, it is tough. I, I, I would definitely encourage people to continue the search. You shouldn't just pick the first thing off the shelf. Um, you need to really do your due diligence for a whole variety of reasons. You know, the HMO licensing space provides its own challenges as well because you need to understand how that regime is working, what buildings will be acceptable to your local council, which ones won't be. Article 4, you know, again, we come back to education, you know, having people who can support you through that selection and and searching process is is very, very beneficial. And of course, we've had that. Um, What are the things that I look out for? Generally, I still, I'm sorry to say, I still look for a hellhole. After all these years, (laughs) after all these years, there's nothing that you and I like better than a hellhole, is there? (laughs) Because... The the hell is the better, really, and and because okay, why? Firstly, a hell hole is easy to negotiate a price on. If somebody has fixed up that property, to a, we, I saw one recently in Stoke that we were pretty keen on actually, and in, in the end we said no, for the simple reason that you just can't drive the price down enough. If that building is beautiful, it's going to sell at probably a not very different price to the asking price. But with a hell hole. No, often there's no interest or it's going to achieve a low price auction or whatever. So hell holes are great. Also, also you, you tend to find that even if it's if it's OK, if it's not an absolute hell hole, but it's, uh, yeah, you know, tired, tired, tired. you can spend just yeah. as much on the refurb 
with a tired property as you can with a hellhole. Exactly. Sometimes a hellhole's easier because you just take it right back to brick and build it up again from scratch. Well, and, and the other thing is, I suppose from a psychological, psychological perspective, um, the, the council love turning a hellhole back into a livable dwelling, so they tend to go that much easier on you in terms of, you know, the, I'm not saying to cut corners, but they're more, they can be more accommodating on some of the licensing aspects, some of the building control aspects, if they know that you're, you know, working hard to bring something online. Um, psychologically for me, I find it really hard to find a beautiful building and rip it apart again just to make an HMO out of it. That, you know, there's something that seems an element of sacrilege there. Um, but so, yeah, look for, what you're really looking for is a hellhole in a good area. And obviously the market doesn't throw those out every single day, but they do come up um, and then you need to work to, to find how can you get that price lower or how can you creatively manage that deal. Maybe or or maybe, add value. Or the add other value, key is to add extra you know, space. Maybe you're not going to buy conversion. it, maybe you're going to rent it, maybe you're going to do something in the attic. Um, those, are the thi those are the little dinks that those in the know, mm. they can start to really work with. And then they maximise the value on the property, don't they, long term? Well, you maximise the value and, of course, you maximise the income. I mean, I'm, one of the buildings that... Uh, that we manage in crew. Um, that's an example where you know we've been really able to be really quite creative with the space and create more rooms than I think anybody imagined imagine to start off with. Again, through our experience, mm -hmm. which is helpful, isn't it? Now, one uh, topic which uh, we have touched on in the last few weeks in the Ultimate HOA Success System group, a Facebook group. Um, thank you, by the way, for joining us today. If you're watching us live, um, is thank you, Sean. Lovely comment there. Thank you, Sean. Uh, is about council tax. Now, mm. I'm going to do a longer piece about this because it's very, very relevant and very topical. Um, but would you do, you? do you mind if we? we talk a little bit about council tax and council tax on rooms it's fine i mean we've spoken lots and lots about it already between you and i offline about this matter um, but i think it'd be useful to share it with other people what mm -hmm. uh, what's been happening mm -hmm. so um recently i had a client who uh, is on my mentoring program and he decided to uh, set up a six bed hmo beautiful six bed H uh, hmo uh, in yorkshire and uh, as a result of the refurb process, invited the local council uh, licensing officer in to come and have a look at the project, which is something we would recommend. And in the course of doing that, this uh, officer recommended that the house have all of the bedrooms revalued individually for council tax. So my client was duly very perturbed about this because looking at his figures, he realised that if he was going to have to pay council tax on each of the rooms, even if they had uh, a single person discount applied, which is about 25%, it still would massively reduce his, pro his profitability on that particular project. So obviously he was very, very concerned about this. So I reassured him and said, well, let's get through to the end of the refurb uh, process before uh, we see what happens. The end of the refurb process came, he rented out all of the six rooms and sure enough, within about two weeks, he was having letters from the council asking him to pay council tax on the whole property. Uh, the individual rooms, I should say, the individual rooms within that whole property. So rather than just having one council tax bill, he now had six council tax bills mm -hmm. to pay. Um, 
and he was clearly very upset about this. So we followed um, a process and I advised him each step of the way. And um, it was a very, very interesting process. Um, what I discovered, and I, I don't have a background in law or uh, studying the law, but uh, discussing this with Andy and looking at the case law and looking at the rules of uh, council tax application, uh, we discovered that the process had not been fulfilled properly uh, in terms of the rebanding of those rooms. The valuation office has to um, maintain a specific step-by-step -step process. So that's the first thing. If you're worried about HMOs or HMO rebanding, um, it's really important that you understand that there is a particular process and that the if the valuation office or the local council doesn't follow that process, they cannot reband those rooms. Uh, there are also time deadlines as well in which uh, in which time things have to occur. And again, that the time deadlines were actually stuck to. The time deadlines were correct in this case, but there are many cases where time deadlines are incorrect. And again, this is a, is a route to challenge the HMO room banding valuation. Now, one of the discoveries I made in, in studying um, this area of the law was that uh, some of the case law had been um, ignored and it had been applied wrongly to my client's particular situation. Um, and it turns out that there is precedent uh, to show that uh, while HMO rooms can be counted as habitations, they can be ha they're, they're, they're habitable environments that can be rated, they can be made rateable. In this, uh, in this case um, of, of my particular client, um, certain key characteristics were um, not applied correctly. And what this meant was that we had a very, very strong argument. So my client put together a letter and I helped him to, to word it. And he put, he put together a letter of complaint to the local council and also to the valuation office. As a result of which, the valuation office contacted him and they asked for a floor plan of the property. Now, this was really interesting because this was something that they should have had earlier on in the process. This is where they missed a step. He sent in the floor plan. They looked at the floor plan. They recognised that certain elements of the uh, decision had been wrong and they immediately rescinded their decision. In other words, they immediately recalled that decision to apply council tax to all six rooms he is going to get back pay now he's going to get you know it's basically oh, double, been, <laughs> it's been been a little bit of savings plan mm -hmm. for him over the last mm -hmm. four months because he's been paying the additional council tax mm -hmm. he'll now get that completely refunded and the council tax will go back to being for that one property council tax for that one hmo now, what I find very interesting about this particular case is that uh, my client was at first reluctant to challenge, reluctant to appeal, reluctant to do anything other than accept it, put his head in his hands and decide HMOs were not for him. Having fought it and won the case, he is now absolutely pushing forward yeah, with his plans. Yeah, he's full steam ahead, Full steam ahead. And I think this is really interesting that 
you know, this is a very important case, I believe. And I think as we go forward, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens about this particular precedent that's now been set. Uh, having worked with him on this, uh, it's made me feel very confident that I can help anybody who might be going through this situation to challenge when council tax is being applied to their rooms and win the case. Um, because I do not believe that HMO rooms fulfil all those legal requirements in uh, that to, to be rateable. Um, and I'm not going to go into massive detail in that today because uh, we've been on long enough we'll today. Here two hours <laughs> we'll be here another two hours. But I just want to say that I think in terms of um, council tax, we can actually have a lot more confidence as HMO investors that we are not. Uh, if you if you know what we know, you there is no way that the council or the valuation office can reband your rooms individually. Um, so the question here from Sean is, what do they say in the, see in the floor plan to make them backtrack? Um, I think you should go into detail in this in, in another piece, really. Yeah. It's, you, you're talking a huge amount of complexity. There is a lot of complexity here. here. Actually, Sean, it wasn't actually to do with the floor plan, as it turns out. It was to do with the... Um, the tenancies, it was to do with the intention of the tenancies um, in the, uh, from the tenants, how long the tenants were actually going to be living in the property. Um, but the fact that the tenant, all the, all the rooms did have en suites, they all had en suites, but they did have one shared kitchen. Uh, I think that did have some significance in this case. Um, but there are further factors, further features, which, um, yeah, we're not gonna go into today, Really, this message is to, though to say, we, we, you know, we've highlighted this video as the risks and opportunities for 2021. And some people have said, oh, council tax rebanding is a reason why I wouldn't do HMOs. But I think we can say with much greater confidence than even we had six weeks ago, that if that is you, if you're worried about that, please get in contact because we have got some very strong, uh, if you like, legal reasons why that should not be happening and reasons why you can appeal and, and win your appeal. Um, I can't say it with 100% conviction. We've only done it this once, but having gone through that process, I do believe that we have a very, very strong legal argument as to why HMOs should not be rebanded individually for room rates. Um, so that's that's uh, one other point. Now, one very, very final point. We're going to sign off in a moment. Capital gains. We, we touched on capital gains earlier. Mm -hmm. Surely that's a big risk for 2021. Rishi has got the uh, has got a new department, uh, the Office for Financial... Uh, oh, the Office for Sticking It to Landlords. <laughs> I, yeah, I heard about that one. That's it. Um, the Office for Sticking yeah. Two Fingers Up at Landlords. Right, right next yeah. to the Office for Further Regulation for the Property Sector. They're all lined up down there in Whitehall. Look, nobody knows about um, capital gains. I think the country faces a huge difference between tax receipts and monies paid out. As I've already indicated on this show, for the moment that will be balanced by borrowing. I don't think it is going to be balanced by increased taxes. And ultimately, it sounds really easy to do wealth taxes and increased capital gains taxes and all this kind of thing. But the government know that really, if you tweak that up too high, all that happens is entrepreneurs stop being entrepreneurs, they go and do something else, they leave the country and they realise that. And so I think that they will be much more trepidatious 
about um, capital gains taxes than people are saying. I think they're mu I unfortunately think this nation is going to pay for all of the goodies that have been handed out by this government by generally one means only, and that is inflation. The devaluation of the currency, probably against gold, probably against uh, other commodities like timber, oil, coal, um, and that will be very, so, so in a nutshell, the burden will be spread across the whole population in terms of higher prices, which is very, very sad for everybody in this country. But that seems to have been the collective bargain that we have struck um, about, you know, that apparently that's rebalancing society. OK, but I think that we don't know yet. Uh, obviously, know. The, the Office of Financial Responsibility brought out the initial report, uh, I think mm. about October, November time. Uh, I did a podcast episode on this a few weeks ago. So if you want to listen to that podcast, please go on to the HMO Success podcast and you can listen to um, I describe what those different changes are going to be. Um, and what what uh, we've got to look, keep an eye out for is at the end of January, the second stage of that report will come out. Industry leaders have written to Rishi Sunak to say it would be a terrible idea to tax people at income tax levels at the, at the same rate of income tax as they because do capital gains tax. it destroys the incentive to make investment. Of course it does. Absolutely. But we have to see. Uh, Rishi will have his own plans. One thing I would say is as, as landlords, as investors, whether you've got one property or 100 properties, you know, making your voice heard is really important. Mm. Um, not just relying on NRLA or other other um, organisations that you might be a member Don't of. Don't rely on the NRLA. What a completely useless facade of an organisation. OK, there. anyway, the point I was going to say, Andy, is I don't want to get your rant on the NRLA. Uh, yeah, that really will um, be here two hours after The point that. is yeah. that what we should be doing is writing to our local MPs, writing to people like Robert Jenrick, who's the housing minister, and making our views known. Because the our individual individual letters like that have, have a big impact um, at government level and ministerial level and so we as, as landlords sometimes we've been too passive and it's it's time that we we spoke up and, and spoke out about some of these things so uh, you know be active be be focused be educated and uh, we'll give you an update as as we hear any more about that capital gains tax uh, news. of course well just wanted to address Ben Sleet's point he says inflation is great for those of the, those of us with mortgages that is true and it's also a reason to try to fix that mortgage interest rate percentage out as long as you can, in my view. Again, I'm not, I can't give you financial advice, but if you believe, like I do, that the, the, um, the pressure comes on the value of the pound, uh, so what you want to be doing is fixing that mortgage as long as you can, paying back on a low interest rate and basically paying back those pounds later on with pounds that buy less in the real economy so that you're winning. So... It's a great point and that's my recommendation. Great. Well, listen, with that, we shall leave you to having a lovely rest of your Thursday. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, we'll be making this into a podcast episode for tomorrow. So if you've missed anything today, you can always listen to it tomorrow when it's on the HMO Success podcast. Andy, thank you very much for joining me today. Uh, <laughs> Andy's normally the silent hero in the background sweeping up. And doing all my dirty work. <laughs> no, it's, it's a pleasure. It's nice work. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's really good for you to join me today. Thank you ever so much. And if anybody's got any questions or comments about today's yeah. live interview... If you want to defend the NR NRLA, if you actually think they'll do anything good, contact me. And on that note, we shall say farewell, goodbye. Off either saying good night. Thank you for listening to the HMO Success Podcast. 
If you'd like to know more about how you can create a profitable HMO business, please visit our website, hmosuccess.co.uk, to find out more. We have plenty of free tools and information for you there, and also on our Facebook group, The Ultimate HMO Success System. We look forward to connecting with you very soon. Thanks for listening.